Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I think my heart skipped a beat or just stopped for a bit when this was happening and because of the crane shot just expanding and expanding to reveal more and more of these life jackets. It was a very poignant shot, maybe one of the most memorable in the film as a single shot. There's something so cinematic about that heroism. It makes for an incredible movie and the fact that it's real, obviously it just hits you so hard in the gut. I mean, I, I, I was crying several times during this movie. I couldn't sleep for most of the night afterwards because it was just so emotional. For me, it was a pretty, pretty good, suitable way to watch it. I just couldn't, couldn't take my eyes off it. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of the Flix Water Podcast. I'm joined today by Sabina. Hello. Anna. Hello. And Helen. Hi. And we're going to be talking about The Swimmers. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello, film fans. Welcome to Flix Watcher Podcast. Joining us today, we have Anna and Savina. Over to you, please, Savina, to tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Hello um, to all the listeners and hello to our wonderful hosts. I am Savina. I am a film writer. I'm also a programmer and I am an academic of some sort, I guess. I'm just finishing up my PhD at King's College London, where I also teach. And as a writer, I dabble <laughs> in and out of places, <laughs> but most recently I've written for The Playlists in Europa and some other UK-based stuff. You can find everything on my profile on Twitter, at Sabina Petkova. And I think that's about it. Okay. And um, Anna, who are you? So I'm Anna Smith. I'm a film critic and broadcaster and podcaster. Um, my podcast is called Girls on Film and it's mostly all female voices talking about cinema. We've been going for four and a half years and up to well over 140 episodes, which is exciting. I do lots of live events. My broadcasting, I do quite a lot for the BBC. So you might have heard me on Radio 4 or seen me on BBC News Channel. I'm currently looking for my next TV adventure, if any producers are listening. All the producers listen. Yes, they all listen. 
listen. So, yeah, <laughs> because the BBC News Channel Film Review, which I was on, uh, sadly is no more. So, yeah, oh. I'm looking around for that. Um, but I do a lot of onstage Q&As as well. And I write for Deadline, Time Out, Metro and other titles. Fantastic. Both very busy. Obviously, Sabina, when you finish your PhD, you can you can get more writing in there as well. But the PhD dissertation for film, that must be, is that interesting? It must be, must be exciting for oh, you. Oh, it's amazing. But also it's one of the many things that I have to do. So I'm in a bit of a crunch right now. But it's, <laughs> it's really cool to be able to dedicate four years of your life to a book project that everyone who's written a book knows that, but it's also super stressful. Um, it's nicer to spend this time with films, definitely. And the films that I write about are pretty wonderful. I think one of your recent episodes, recent, recent in February was on The Lure, which is one of my yeah. films for my thesis. So oh, okay. you get the gist what kind of films I'm working on. Strange ones. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, that's what my mom says too. Uh, well, we're here talking about The Swimmers, which is your choice, Anna. First of all, can you tell us why you chose The Swimmers? And then secondly, I'll get the timer up and you'll have 60 seconds or less or fewer, depending on how you want to use that grammatically, uh, to kind of tell us the synopsis. So The Swimmers is one of the most uplifting and inspiring films I've seen recently. I think it was grossly neglected in awards season. I absolutely loved it. We featured it on the podcast. Um, it tells the true story of real-life sisters who were refugees from Syria. They came over and eventually made it to Germany um, by very uh, terrifying means and ended up with the chance to compete in the Olympics because they were both uh, incredibly accomplished swimmers. And the film tells the story of their journey, their relationship with each other and the bonding that they have. And it also gives a real insight into the refugee experience. So that is why I chose it. Um, I think you kind of get the synopsis in your in the intro there as well. Do you want to ex expand on that a bit? Yeah, I was trying to do both at the same time for you. Oh, well, <laughs> let's, let's just walk on from there, basically. So... One of the things, obviously this came out last year, as we record this, we are, and the government here, are trying to handle, and very poorly, um, the refugee crisis in terms of stopping the boats. And this is, there's been a few films like this, there's been this, there's been Flea, uh, the TV show Years and Years, where it's kind of depicted this crossing in small boats, and each instance has been absolutely fucking terrifying. So we'll get to I guess we'll get to the good we'll get we'll get to the good uh, feeling side of that towards the end. But what was this like initial setup for you guys, and you know the reality of what's going on for them in Damascus in Syria and what they're living with on a day to day basis? I don't, Sabina, do you want to do you want to take points on this? Uh, I feel like it's so difficult to start because both of these places, the transit period of their life and the life in Syria that is depicted in the film, have such a huge impact on me. It's a bit difficult mm. to start, but maybe we can start chronologically as the film develops. So it starts with Syria and how things are there and how they get progressively worse. Um, I must say that overall the film seemed a bit too long for me and I had to rewatch the beginning after I watched the whole thing because of the emotional weight of the second half of the film. But I was struck by how alive everything seemed there between the family, in between all the members of the family, especially between the two sisters. I think that was the first thing that caught my eye. And I wasn't sure how this would develop within the bigger framework of Syrian unrest. But then, yeah, it's heartbreaking when I think about that scene where they dance on top of the building, right? Yeah, they dance on top of the building and it kind of pulls back or the focus shifts and you see the, you see the missiles like 
being launched from one place to another. And you, my, my initial thought at that point was, wow, you just get on with your life, don't you? And get on your life means still going out and trying to have a good time. And it's it's almost, I don't know, obviously from our side, it's terrifying. What, what, what are you talking about, Helen? So um, I hadn't seen this before. I think I was a bit naughty and thought, oh, someone's going to pick this. So um, it's, it's been on the list. So thanks for picking Anna. it, Anna. You've, uh, you're, you're welcome. Give me that note that I needed. And um, it's a really powerful film. I think we'll probably talk about it a little bit more. It's kind of like a film of two halves. And I think um, what it really kind of does is really empathise that anyone can become a refugee. And I think that it does a really great job of setting a scene in that, you know, this is some teen, teenage girls doing very, very normal things. They're swimming, they're, they're going they're going out, they're worried about things happening, they're hanging out with boys that maybe are a bit troublesome, they're, they're just living a very normal life and then something happens and they're, they're forced to make decisions that at the moment our politicians are basically dehumanising people for having to make. And I don't want this to become like an episode where we um, talk about our government because we all know they're awful. And the the boat scene is just really terrifying and no one wants to get in these boats. And it just really, it's just really, really awful and... Yeah, a really powerful film. <laughs> I agree that it has it has a great power. Um, this is so important at the moment because, okay, it's obviously on Netflix. It takes a very mainstream, accessible view, um, and and you know the, the name, the synopsis probably lures in some people that don't quite realise the full impact of what that they're going to see. Like my friend's mother, for example, who reads all the worst newspapers, believes the things <laughs> she reads, um, you know, is against refugees doesn't understand them she picked this film she watched it she loved it and she said it gave her a new perspective and that to me is such a powerful thing to hear yeah absolutely um well hopefully more people do pick up that but i think that's one of the powers of it being on netflix is that it's accessible to many more people than it would be if it was just in the cinema so that that might lean into my home doing my small screen score a bit um what did you make of the the aspects in the obviously the 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 journey through uh, from from Syria to the to Germany was was tortured, but the I guess the the main part of that was the the piece on the boats, in which point the two sisters, uh, I think in, in I think in real life a couple more people jumped out and swam as well, but in the, as depicts in here, the two sisters came out and lightened the load enough for the boat to be able to to get to the, to dry land, and that's like astonishing, right and. If it hadn't been for that, then people, the people would, many people would have died potentially. There's something so cinematic about that heroism. It makes for an incredible movie, and the fact that it's real, obviously, it just hits you so hard in the gut. I mean, I, I, I was crying several times during this movie, and that was certainly one of them. And I think that it's really, it's really well filmed. That scene, it kind of takes you there, however hard it is. And and there's another really impactful scene afterwards when it shows all the discarded life jackets yes. which i presume you know they're, they're littering hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them um and and presumably that is that is a real life shot um and that is what people see i think there was a shot at the at the end of the film i think which showed the real life version yeah they reconstructed um, it in some way i think yeah so I think for the film they constructed but then i think they they showed a shot which i think was a real life representation which was not too dissimilar there seemed like a hell of a lot of life but which my god what's going on here guys 
Yeah, I think my heart skipped a beat or just stopped for a bit when this was happening. And because of the crane shot just expanding and expanding to reveal more and more of these life jackets, it was a very poignant shot, maybe one of the most memorable in the film as a single shot. But whereas the the crossing sequence, that felt so long in in a terrifying way. Mm. I I was I wanted it to end, but I also didn't want it to end. Um, there was a mix of viewing pleasure and also weirdly painful participation. It was something about recreating that moment, which we're not allowed to see usually unless we're experiencing it ourselves. That makes makes it for a very strong pull, I think. I think the, before we got to the obviously trying leaving leaving Damascus, leaving Syria. Um, another film that came to mind was the documentary For Sama, mm-hmm. um, where I can't remember the country, which is horrific. Um, I'll try and find it a second. But that showed, well, yeah, it was Syria. Yeah. Sorry, Syria, there's Aleppo. And it showed um, Wad and her daughter, uh, Sama, just, as, just after Sama had been born and just dealing with like bombs hitting nearby. Bombs hitting hotel uh, hospitals, bombs hitting places where she'd been that morning, and just getting on with life. And uh, again, the resolution, the resolution of people, and I guess the key switch point in um, swimmers was where I don't know if it's a real reconstructed scene was where the bomb landed in the swimming pool as Yusra was swimming, and that was the point where they're like, "Okay, this is yeah, this is too close now, guys." I mean, what did you make of the bit before we get into the, the rest of the film? What did you make of the Helen? Yeah, so as I said, like it, I just think it really paints like a, a picture of anyone's lives. And I think talking about the journey, well, we've talked about the boat scene as well, but it's it's not just the boat as well, it's the crossing across land and all of the human traffickers that they have to come across. And the money that changes hands as well is insane. It's just everything about it is just so shocking and the determination that it must take to get in the boat to continue to continue and to be in a position to say no and it just kind of feels like such a relief then when they they do get on the bus and they finally get to berlin but then even when they get there it's it's not straightforward you know they're they're sleeping in tiny rooms on bunk beds it takes ages and ages and ages for paperwork to come in so it's just although it is quite long it's obviously much longer for the people who are experiencing and I think it does quite well to to show all the stages and I, I feel like it was probably much longer and much more terrifying than it actually is on screen and we kind of see a bit of like snapshot edited and yeah. that the days crossing over land that we see in hours but are in reality in weeks. What did you guys make of the their companions that they kind of met along the way and then re-met or then lost? Because I thought that was a nice part of the the story um i'm one of one of my saddest parts i think we didn't get to catch up with the rest of them and i don't know if how, how real those people were as well I, I really like james christian floyd as an actor so i was really pleased to see him in there he uh, previously starred in El Hosseini, the director's previous film my brother the devil um, okay. and i thought there was a really nice dynamic with him and the sisters um so i really enjoyed seeing him and 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 there but there is also a bond with in particular, another woman, a mother on the journey. And I, mm. I thought that was really incredibly moving. And um, what was really positive for me and a positive takeaway was the kind of thought that people made real friendships on this journey. I mean, obviously, we see the news headlines. We know it's it's it absolute nightmare. And But through that living nightmare, 
apparently, you know, people get close. And I thought that was something that came across. And, you know, on Girls on Film, I, I, don't, I not only spoke to Sally, but I spoke to... You know, I spoke to Yusra and um, the girls, the girl who played her and her sister. So um, it, it was it was incredible. I spoke to Natalie and Manal Issa and Yusra Mardini, and they themselves were all holding hands as I spoke to them in this interview because they had got so close on the journey of making this film, and it was just this kind of overwhelming emotional experience speaking to them. Um, and they, of course, you know, bore, bore witness to the fact that that is exactly what her experiences, Yusra and her sister's experiences were it, it, the, the, a lot of it's to do with friendship especially when you're a young vibrant woman um and a lot of it is, is seeking out the glimmer of hope and the glimmer of happiness and the glimmer of light in a terrible terrible dark moment and i think the film captures that beautifully and then we go to the the uplifting part which is the the, the cool runnings bit going to olympics training for the olympics and you know swimming and and, and winning the heat that, that she's in i mean what I, I don't know. I just wasn't expecting that. I didn't. I, first of all, I, I should acknowledge I didn't realize the story was real when I, um, based on true stories until the end. So I was like, "Nah, this is nonsense." And I watch all the Olympics. I, I watch like the Olympics coverage all the time. So, um, but I pushed, you know, punched my fist in the air when she won that heat, and I went on Google and I punched my fist in the air again when I found out she won the heat for real in like real life. I was like, "Fucking hell, this is brilliant." Um, I mean, what a st- what generally like an insane story to have, right? I don't know. better than cool runnings really (laughs) yeah talk about an origin story of a hero right it's just Mm. almost made for for a cinematic retelling in a way i don't know i i I less engaged with the film when it was about that but I, i feel that obviously that is kind of amazing and um the, the, there ends up being a refugee team that's put together with different people. And there's some conversation about that as well, how other athletes felt that they were getting, they they, they weren't up to the, the standard of athletes and they were being put there for, you know, just because they needed to make this team. So you can kind of sense that there's some conflict there as well. And I think it maybe pushes a little bit the creative sort of license and it kind of feels like, she wins and i was like oh did she win did i miss that and then she, she won that it's, heat it's, she, she won the but heat but they don't yeah. they don't really say that and i i personally found that the part that was my now up to date in that um the work that they're doing now and what happened after the olympics is more kind of interesting and to me personally and i would have maybe have liked to have seen more of that as, as Tony to tie it off because I, I feel as though they were you maybe mean like Sarah, Sarah going to Lesbos and helping the um, yeah and helping people um, there. being um the other sister being the the like the ambassador for the refugee agency and it just felt like the the Olympics bits was the Hollywoodization of it and then there was maybe a bit more of the story so that that was that was my main niggle it was a bit like oh okay I see what they've done there but Actually, for me, the other bit was interesting. But, you know, you need to have that hook, I guess. And it is an amazing story. And making it to the Olympics, like, I'm never going to make the Olympics. So what am I saying? Like, oh, she only won a heat. Like, like I can even do the butterfly. Like, what is that? Um, but I also thought when the, the, bit, the bit that I did think about, the kind of training montage, was the conflict between the two sisters. Because it was very sort of clear that one had a very kind of clear goal and something to focus on. And without that, it 
which would have been pretty much the same for everyone in the refugee camps, that life is really, really hard. And that sort of side of it and not having the Olympics to work through, um, because the cousin as well said, oh, you know, you're the the Olympic swimmers, I'm nothing. Um, That those relationships and conflicts and feelings, more more of my interest than the, yes, we're winning at the Olympics thing. There's definitely but something... no shade on it because like obviously she is amazing. But <laughs> no, there's something really interesting about what you're saying, saying Helen, because I think these conflicts that I have around going to the Olympics between the two sisters almost transposes the things that we're not seeing in the film of their lives. What I mean here is the conflict between like personal and public and individual in society and giving back, etc. Because you're right, there's something about Yusra focusing on on being an Olympic champion that helps her sublimate the imminent trauma, I guess, and that redirect her um, energy attention somewhere else that helps her survive too. And also I like that it's a it's a source of internal conflict and external conflict with her sister and they get to know each other better the way that they both deal with a situation in a different way. So maybe I think this is where it's hinted at um, their um, Yusra's future development as an ambassador instead of a one-time Olympic star um, that fights for for herself or for her country, kind of merges into something much bigger. Well, let's head to the scores. Hello, I'm Martin. I'm Sam. And every week we get together on our podcast Song by Song to discuss the music of Tom Waits. Uh, Waits is a writer, musician and performer. Uh, You might know him from his four decades of songs like uh, What's He Building In There, Downtown Train, Martha, Rain Dogs. Or you might have seen him in films like Dracula, uh, The Fisher King, uh, The Mm. Ballad of Buster Scruggs, or if you made it that far, Licorice Pizza. We're joined every week by guests from various backgrounds and disciplines, and together we take a close listen to his work, analysing the topics and tones he uses in his music, and honestly engaging with one of the most interesting voices of his generation. Listen to our latest season or dive into our back catalogue by visiting songbysongpodcast.com or search for Song by Song in your podcatcher of choice. So welcome to our Flix Watcher scores. All of the scores are out of five and you can have decimal places if you wish. And we will start with you, please, Anna, with your recommendability. So this is what we had amazing feedback for on Girls on Film. And literally everyone I've recommended this film to has said thank you. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go for a five for this one. Sabina. I think I can go for a four. Um, yeah. You think so? Why, why do you think so? <laughs> well, because, I don't know, there was something about how raptured I was by it which is going to feed into some of my other um, assessments, definitely. But I'm not sure. I think it's not the kind of film that I would usually stand behind with a five-star, if you see what I mean. I'm not saying it's a bad film, not at all. It just, yeah. Oh, yeah, four, I mean, four doesn't sound <laughs> No, four is good. Recommend. <laughs> I recommend it. <laughs> uh, Helen? So, interesting. I noticed that sometimes when you watch Netflix and you've not watched a film um, before, it gives you, like, your percentage rating. And it, it said this was a 98%... Percent match for me so it was it was pretty darn close um so i think this is going to be one that i'm going to recommend a lot although the people i tried to recommend it had already seen it before me so i was a bit like oh have you seen this and like, oh yeah and they're like oh okay um so uh 100 recommend it i think maybe 
the the Olympic bit and the the kind of like the journey bit I feel are a little bit jarring and the two audiences for those might they need to like mesh in the middle but I'm going to give it a 4.5 uh I'm going to join Anna on the five here I I was already going to give it a high score I think before well I know before before joining but the fact that Anna just told us about the the lady who read all the reads all the wrong newspapers and had their opinions about refugee crisis and watched this film and it redressed their balance and things makes me think it's a five-star film and as many people as can should see it even if some bits may feel contrived and the story may feel slightly disjointed but i mean escaping escaping war-torn country making it out safely against harsh conditions going to the, the olympics which is like so each each little thing is like makes them a small fraction of a population of people each of which a good story could be told about that one thing and then going back to help the refugee crisis and then being arrested for helping out refugees. My my God, that's like, what have these guys been through at such a young age? It's like amazing. So five, repeat viewing score, Anna. I'm going to go for a four for this one. I've seen it twice and it is great to rewatch, but also it is a film that stayed very much in my mind personally um it's not one and, and it's not one i mean it does have lovely little moments but it's not like it's hilarious and you need to relive the hilarity or anything um so I, yeah i'm, I'm gonna go because it's because it's good a four but probably only every few years or something sabina i think i would go for a 3.5 on this one because i've only seen it once but i feel like i wouldn't like to rewatch it not because i don't like the film as said but i just find it quite hard to go to that through that journey again in order to get the, the uplifting moments. I just, I really don't want to see that boat scene in the crossing, um, not soon at least. <laughs> has, has anyone seen the films I talked about at the start? Four Summer, Flea, which is the animated film about the- Yeah, um, of course. The of course and then yeah, um, yeah. Years and Years as well. How did, how did that, how do those stories portrayed this compare in your mind to to this one. I thought Summer's very comparable, I think. Um, it's another one we really championed on Girls on Film. And I think what's interesting is that you see female directors taking a very personal approach to this kind of subject matter. Um, and, and they both do that in very different ways. Um, and also Flea just takes you right in there. And I found that one very, very disturbing and very hard in places, of course, mm. because um, it takes you through, you know, the trauma of the experience, but also the detail you know, the detail of the crossing and everything, yeah. So, but I haven't seen Years and Years, actually, because I don't do much telly. Yeah, Years and Years was one, I think it's like a six-episode season, and I I just couldn't finish the last two episodes. I was just like, I, I can't anymore. This is devastating. So if you are, are a nervous disposition, guys, mm -hmm. maybe <laughs> maybe don't watch it. Um, mm -hmm. Helen, have you seen the other ones that I mentioned there? If no, not, get, I get haven't seen those. Up. Get I mean, I, yeah, I need to. I mean, we've had his house before, which also kind of um, yeah. has the, the refugee experience. And then Limbo came Limbo. out around the same time as that, which doesn't detail as much the crossing, but it it kind of it approaches it in it uses humour in in a way to tell different stories there. But then also, it's really really sad as well. So I I've kind of seen different different films so I think together we've got quite a good sort of set to recommend to people if they haven't seen them yeah uh so your repeat viewing score Helen uh I'm not sure how much I'm gonna re-watch this uh I would kind of really like to maybe read her book and I, I was just looking to see maybe 
there's potentially possibly a documentary coming out about Sora because I, I want to find out the next stage a bit more than rewatch it. So I'm going to go down the middle with a 2.5. Um, I'd like to say I watched this quite a lot. <clears throat> um, more so than if it was a documentary. So I'm not sure when I'd see Foss Armour again, for example, or, or even Flea. But this I probably will watch again at some point. I'm going to go for 3.2. So before we go to the next section, Anna, you're you're uniquely placed in this in this episode to talk about the obviously you spoke to uh Sophia, the director and and the actors and people involved in the film. From did you get an idea of how true to life? We all, I te- I like asking about how true to life the film was compared to the their real life. Um did you get a, a, an idea of how true to life some of the scenes were or the depiction or the stories? Um well and when I spoke to Yusra, she said that she was all very ready to sort of complain about this girl playing her and it was nothing like her and it was nothing like the real life, but she was very moved and found it very real. But obviously speaking to Sally, the director, and, you know, oh, Sally, about, the, Sally, yeah. Yeah, um, about, about the events in the film, there are certain things they, they did take a licence with because they wanted to actually portray... The, the realities of the refugee experience, and there may have been aspects of that that the sisters didn't experience. Not the big stuff, but just a few small details, I think. Um, so obviously I can't answer to all of that, but um, having spoken to them, that's that's what I feel they, that they tried to achieve was, you know, bringing some of the breadth of that experience in along with the, the facts of what the sisters experienced and and the, the core, you know, reality of their relationship together. Yeah, and the bomb in the pool didn't quite happen in the pool right but it was something similar but i think they chose they went for the symbolic place of the pool because when I the think pool, it worked beautiful when the bomb landed in the pool like everyone else kind of evaporated it was just like yesterday wasn't it so the underwater scenes all of them were so amazing i yeah. just have have a huge soft spot for underwater scenes so i i watched um avatar the way of water in the cinema and i was like transposed back to like i used to do quite a bit of swimming and uh, scuba diving as well. And I was like, yes, I need to get back in the water again. This is amazing. But then seeing like them training in the swimming pool again, I was like, yeah, I definitely need to get back in the water again. Because it just feels, it's like nothing else when you're kind of just plowing through the water and the waves. And I just felt, I felt jealous in a way. So yeah, that's that, that's the best depiction of swimming scenes. And I know the kid, I know the actors had to train a lot to get to that, that level where they could act, they could look good um in the water as well so i'm genuinely i'm very impressed by what they what it looked like because like as helen said butterfly is like no one does butterfly what is that <laughs> no one does butterfly <laughs> they couldn't even swim before they couldn't even swim before they were hired to make this film Amazing. wow <laughs> yeah um so small screen score anna so I saw this first on the big screen mm. in the working title uh, screening room so amazing surround sound um it looked incredible um watching it on the small screen Obviously, some of those really cinematic visual moments like you say about the underwater scenes weren't as impactful. But I think because there's so much going on in this film, it's really, really suits the small screen and you can get a lot out of it as we've seen. Um, so, I, you know, I go for 3.5. Sabina? I could give it a 3.7, maybe 3.8, actually. Um, Let's put it down I... for 3.8. Thank you very much. <laughs> I've only seen it in a small, a small screen um, and I saw it for the first time a couple of nights ago and it was already quite late when I put it on, maybe about 11 o'clock. 
and I saw the runtime, I was like, okay, I'm going to be asleep in five minutes because that's just who I am as a person after 11 o'clock. But I wasn't, I was so wide awake. I couldn't sleep for most of the night afterwards because it was just so emotional out of the film. And I just watched it on my laptop. So for me, it was a pretty, pretty good, suitable way to watch it. I just couldn't, couldn't take my eyes off it. Helen? So I think I would have liked to have seen this at the cinema, but I don't recall it like being on or have like a big release. So I'm going to give it a five because I think with it being on Netflix, people are kind of watching it who probably wouldn't have gone to see it in the cinema. So having it there and it's, you know, Netflix presenting it to them, I think is the way that most people are probably going to discover it. So it's nice. It would have been nice to have seen it at the cinema, but it's on Netflix. So like all you have to do is go and press your button and watch it. So that's why I'm giving it a five. Um, I'm going to go for 4.2. I would like to see the big screen, but I don't think it takes away from from that side of things. Engagement score. Anna? I think at least a 4 out of 5. Um, yeah, I'm going to say a 4 out of 5 because, as I've been pointed out, it is on the long side, so it could lose some people at some point if they weren't um, really gripped. But I think it is personally sufficiently gripping to keep you there the whole way. Sabina? Yeah, I think I would just mirror Anna's score on this, particularly for what she said, yeah. Yeah, you, let, you talked about that a bit when you said you, you thought you were going to fall asleep, but didn't. Uh, <laughs> I just fall asleep at everything <laughs> at night, but I didn't for this one. Very engaging. Helen? Um, I'm going to give it a 4.5. Uh, my, I, got, I got a little bit in the sort of training montage, a little bit like, I need to find out how this story ends. Like, when do we... Did we get to the Olympics? So I was guilty of doing a little bit of um, checking things on my phone. So sorry, um, <laughs> which is why I can't give it a perfect score. So 4.5. Uh, I'm going 4.75. Very similar reasons to Sabina, actually. I was started watching this on my iPad, expecting to fall asleep, um, just because I was knackered. And also because a lot of it is in is um, in a different language, so subtitled. And I just thought, I was, yeah, I'm going to fall asleep. I'll just pick it up in the morning. And I did it in two sittings, which I wasn't expecting to at all. And I woke up in the morning. I was like, I need to just like pick this up straight away. So I was like in this as much as as, as it could be. Um, and, and, and another question with the, because uh, I just picked, I just talked about the subtitles and the language. I was quite, I was quite struck by how much English was in this, especially in Syria. And, and I know it's kind of a, when you know when you know English to in a different in different countries, whether it's a rich or a poor country, often quite people do speak English more, especially if it's just within a small circle of people who can speak it, because it's almost like excluding others who haven't had that education. But I saw was it Manal Anna? Um, I saw an article about her saying she felt there was almost too much English used in the film, and it it made it almost like a sanitized version. Yeah, that was an interesting article because um, I read it after I'd interviewed her and she'd been so positive about the film. Um, and yeah, I, I, I'm not sure about that article. Um, it, it, it's a trade-off, isn't it? Um, I mean, Sally El Hassani has said that she was pleased that Netflix didn't want to put more in English and that wanted to honour a lot of the original languages, um, you know, for the reasons of veracity, etc. So it could have been worse. It could have been all like in English with American accents or something. Yeah, horrendous. it does. Um, but I, I mean, I, I think they get the balance quite well. And I do think you're right that, you know, that you could argue that there are some situations where people would have spoken English. And and obviously you want to get a balance of it seem authentic and also accessible. 
So I think it does it quite well. All right. Uh, that gives us an overall score, by the way, with my final there of, uh, that gives us an overall score of 4.09063, which is, which is, which is big. Repeat viewing score a bit lower on, on the lower side, but otherwise, guys, I think that was, yeah, nice. Well done. Well done. I don't know why I'm saying well nice. done. <laughs> well done on rating. Well, I picked it, so yeah, you can exactly. congratulate me if you yeah. like. Well done, Anna. <laughs> well done for getting me watching on my yeah. watch list, Anna. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. And 98%, Helen, does that, does that compute for you? Are you happy with that rating that yeah, Netflix gave so. you? Yeah, Yeah. Netflix gave it 87 for me. Um, I keep on trying to make this a feature for, for, for guests, so thank you for reminding me. Um, next time, we'll, I will check. I'll try and check next time we record to see um, what, what ratings Netflix gives you. Anna, do you remember what Netflix thought, how, how well Netflix might uh, think you might like the film? Did you see the ratings? Uh, not off the top of my head. No, no it gets very confused because of my job. Yeah. Um, because I watch lots of movies I don't like. <laughs> so it would be very in- inaccurate. Yeah, we, I think me and, me and Helen have that same kind of like thoughts. I'm sure you yeah. have the same, even worse problem. <laughs> Wild, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you again, Anna, so much for bringing this to us. Uh, can you sign off by telling us where we can find you online again and uh, your podcast, your writing, and we'll say goodbye to the listeners. Uh, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Anna Smith Journo and on Instagram at Anna Smith Film Critic. Um, you can see me around and about and listen to me on the radio. Um, but yeah, you can find all the info about Girls on Film from those two channels. Sabina. I am at, on Twitter at the handle Sabina Petkova. And you can find my writing usually around festival times at the playlist, Awards Watch, Little White Lies. Do you mean film festivals? Film festivals, yeah. That's the usual time. And I also am a semi-regular guest at a Cinematologist podcast. Fantastic. Well, guys, check those places out to find out more about Anna and Sabina. Thank you very much, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Bye. 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 Enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixwatcherPod on Twitter and we're at Flixwatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Rockwood Audio's editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Rockwood, R-O-K-K Wood Audio. Tell them Flixwatcher sent you. just heard a stripped media production. 